This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Got major life expenses but your bank isn't helpful? Break up with your bank and check out a SoFi personal loan. You could pay off high interest debt, cover home renovation costs, travel, and more. With a fixed monthly payment and no fees, a SoFi personal loan is simply a smarter way to pay. View your rate in 60 seconds without affecting your credit score at SoFi.com slash podcast and get your money right. Loans originated by SoFi Bank N.A. Member FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. NMLS 696891. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like Hex has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker and serial YTK blogger XWH employee. Having been absolutely flooded with questions from our collective followers on social media, we'll be answering some of those questions at the beginning and the end of the show tonight with X giving us exclusive news and views in between. That is what's coming up on tonight's episode. What are you doing here, mate? You should be in Scotland. <laughs> uh, yeah. So as we were due to go, I think it was two days before, we got a, an email saying um, your uh, accommodation has been severely damaged in the storms that we've been having up here. Um, <coughs> you can have a refund or we can find your, find your alternative accommodation. And I was like, if it's that bad up there that properties are getting damaged. It was the, <laughs> and obviously there was that Aberdeen train crash as well. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought, is this the sort of, we were meant to be staying on a camp, like, well, like on those holiday campsite things. Yeah. And we were like, is this really what we want to drive seven hours for to be yeah. stuck in like a completely waterlogged thing? It can't, it wasn't properly open anyway because of COVID and so on. So we were just like, you know what, we'll save the money and we'll go when uh, when things are a bit better. But uh, what I should have said is I couldn't give up on the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, that, is, that is the brutal reality. Yeah. And so we, we were lucky. Can he manage to get our money back and stuff? And so my my, I'm just destined never to go to Scotland. Volcanic ash <laughs> and torrential um, rains and mudslides in August. So I'm just de- destined to never yeah. go. Yeah, I think you made the right decision. I mean, the weather's been poxy down That's here, and, it, and they get it so much worse up there. So I don't think you'd have had the best week weather-wise anyway. No, exactly, mate. And uh, we've been sort of trying to treat the last week as like a bit of a holiday and going out every day and stuff, which yeah. has been nice. So uh, yeah, but it does mean I'm I'm here. I'm here for the podcast. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, there's been loads of. Qu- 
questions and discussion points raised by followers this week. So we're going to be dedicating two sections of the show to answering those tonight. And I'm going to be reading the first set, starting with at WHU Mandart, who wants to know... Landscape. They're all naming themselves after it. (laughs) I know, people found that funny last week. Is he as smooth as a dolphin? (laughs) (laughs) They should tweet us and let us know. If anyone has bought the product since last week's show, uh, you know, minus pictures, obviously, (laughs) um, just let us know how smooth your nuts are. Genuinely interesting. I haven't actually opened mine yet. I've still still got that like glorious moment to come. You've been opening your nuts in. (laughs) Mine's still sat in a box. But uh, so, uh, yeah, one day. When it looks like the nuts might be seen by someone else, I might uh, might groom them. <laughs> Joys of married life. Yeah, absolutely. So this is at WHU Man Dart, um, and he wants to know if we think Mark Noble deserves a statue at the end of his career. Um, I personally would say a statue is probably a little bit strong. Personally, when you think that none of the other players have got a statue, now I know that Bonds, Brookin, and um, Moore have got a stand named after them, and they deserve all three of them. Clearly, deserve that. I think Noble deserves some kind of recognition, definitely a hundred percent. But then you'd be leaving out the likes of Steve Potts, Alvin Martin, Alan Devonshire. You know, Martin Peter, I guess they've got the, the statue outside Upton Park, mm. but you, you know, you'd be leaving out a num- Julian Dix, a number of other legends mm. that like that haven't got one. So, personally, a statue I think is a little bit too strong, but I would, I do think there needs to be some kind of recognition. And you know, if, if they wanted to get statues for legends like a bit like Arsenal have got Henri yeah. and Burkamp, haven't they yeah. and Noble would definitely be in the front running yeah. but until they do that making one just for him does seem a little bit strong yeah. in my opinion yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with every word you said um, I was also going to reference the Arsenal idea yeah. having all the statues around the stadium I think that's a great idea to be yeah. honest it looks really good I think we should do the same and does he deserve a statue? Yes, 100%. But it should be in amongst other legends surrounding the stadium, in my opinion. Yeah, of course, too. the other problem that you've got is if he isn't going to have a stand and he isn't going to have a statue, how is he going to be remembered? Yeah, that is true. I mean, it is hard to know, really. I mean, you could retire the number 16 shirt, but then is that just a bit naff considering he did that for Bobby Moore? Yeah. Um, then, you like you say, there's one stand left. Um, I don't know whether it should be him or not, you know, because you've got Lyle and Greenwood, for example, you know, there are other two mm. legends that haven't been acknowledged. I know you've got the Lyle Gates and stuff, but that was at Upton Park. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know how else you would recognise him, really, but I do think, and I've always thought this, that the club should do more to recognise our past and our history and our and our legends, even when we were at Upton Park. We had the facilities to, to do it ourselves. I still feel think things weren't done properly and I still think there's a whole new whole area that needs develop developing as a club is how we look after our former players um, mm. I know they come on the pitch now at half time but that's generally after they've done our events yeah. so we kind of provide that for them and they, I know they feature in the programme every now and again but I think certain days you could dedicate to certain players so for example if you know West Ham played um, 
I'll pick someone. I don't. I can't think of a significant one. But with Julian Dix, for example, if when West Ham play West Brom, you could call that the like Julian Dix day, and he could come onto the pitch beforehand, give a clap to both fans, you know, have a, a large section of the program about him before the game, play footage of him as a player and as a coach for them, um, something like that. I think would be a nice touch, but. Mm. I don't know. I think the club just seemed to really lack. I mean, look at Bobby Moore. I mean, I know we're talking, you know, many years ago now, but how he was treated by the club when yeah, he left. Disgraceful. Uh, they've only finally acknowledged Billy Bonds all these years yeah. after his time. Um, and there's still many others that aren't acknowledged. So I think, yeah, I think I think things need to be done differently. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're potentially going off track with what I'm about to say now, but West Ham have always been projected as a family, close-knit club. Yeah. But I think there's always been a divide between the fans and the owners, and that's always stopped us living up to that image, I think. Yeah. You know, if you look at the likes of Leicester, we touched on this the other week about their owners in the past, and how they brought everyone together and done wonderful things for the community. Um I just think we're a million miles off of that and uh, it's such a shame even you know that, that young lad who was disabled who was the Everton fan who got the Everton yeah, Fan amazing. of the Year award yeah, I mean amazing. I don't even know if West Ham do stuff like that no I don't either or whether it was even done by West Ham well, if it was a Barclays or whoever sponsors the league now I'm losing touch but if it was like a corporate thing yeah. um, rather than Everton but okay. I don't know what it was man. I'm speculating but like you say that was amazing for that kid that was yeah. so nice that brought a tear to my eye yeah. watching yeah. that just seeing how happy that child was who'd been dealt quite a tough card in life I guess and to get something like that That's to really right. raise raise his spirits is amazing and you're right I couldn't tell you if West Ham do that no. and, I, and I think you're right in the sense that we could do more for communities and stuff I know West Ham have West Ham Foundation and they do things like I, I spoke about having one of the lead people from that come on our show and I was in quite a long talk with him for about about a year ago and he was going to come on and he was going to promote some of the things they do and then I don't know what happened to him but the, I think the club stopped it as well and again yeah. why do they do that yeah. what harm is they going to come for this guy yeah. to come on our show and really promote themselves I just think they're so paranoid about using social media platforms that it actually undermines the work that they do yeah yeah but then the problem is by them doing that social media will be used negatively against them yeah, so exactly. they might as well use it positively and use it to their advantage. 100%. But they just don't seem to be intelligent enough to do that. I mean, even the the uh, the match day um, mascot packages. Oh, yeah, that's a joke. They're yeah. ridiculous as well. Mm, it yeah. just seems like everything we do as a football club, whilst the club like to think they project themselves as we're all in this together, yeah. too many things are done that suggest the opposite for me. Mm. And it's such a shame. And, like, you know, I can't say too much about it because, obviously, there's a reason that these conversations happen. But I've spoke to you about it numerous times. Occasionally, the club will say to me, please, like, please don't put that bit of news out or whatever and I'll say to them through my media contacts or my contacts at Sky or whatever I know that this story is going to break about this player say mm. um, and I'll give them the heads up and I'll say to them oh I know and they'll occasionally say to me oh please don't tweet this or please don't say that and I always 100% do as they ask because I want to have a good relationship with them if I ask 
anything. Mm. I get barely any answers. It's such a, a one-way thing. Yeah. And the amount of times you've said to me, basically, fuck them, why do I let them dictate what I'm going to... I do. I say that uh, on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. and I and, and I agree with you. Like In some ways, they take me for a mug. And this is why they have to readdress these things. You know, we were told not long ago that they were looking to bring in... They were going to bring... A, a few selected sites get certain access to things we've been told that for years that yeah. never happened and it yeah. never does now and you know i'm not mm. just talking for us i'm talking for you know for west ham fan tv for example yeah. you know hammers chat or whatever these sites should get the access as well because mm. we can bring good publicity and good um I don't know, ways of connecting with fans, but they're just so paranoid about it. Mm. Like, yeah. I know it's unregulated, but, you know, we would help them. We're not, like, going to try and stitch them up or anything, you know? Yeah. We'd put things in there to help it be a positive thing, but... Well, it might be unregulated, but it's there. Yeah. So whether they like it or not, we're not going anywhere, and no. neither are, are, are our peers no. that do what they do. Yeah. So they might as well just use it positively, 100%. but they don't. Well, that's it's so frustrating. Max tried to do that, you know, and I miss him a lot. Max yeah. Fitzgerald was a very, very good bloke, a really mm. nice guy. He's now the PR or the equivalent of what he was at West Ham at Wolves. Um, and, yeah. and I'm pleased for him because it must be a much easier gig doing <laughs> yeah. that at Wolves than it is at West Ham, yeah. seeing as the recent successes and stuff. But he was a really nice guy and he really tried and he showed respect to the sites and treated everyone like, like you know, like he should. Like as a, mm. like a not as a powerful fan, but as a, you know, a, an avenue to certain fans and stuff. And he respected that and he treated you with respect and was a good bloke. You know, there's been other people in the club that are good blokes, like Simon Kutchner was a decent fella, but he's now left as well. Um, and there just seems to just be this, like, mm. I don't know, they just don't want to engage. Like, you know, all those meetings we had with Brady, mm. you know, three, four meetings with her, and we just got ditched. Yeah. Why? Why did we get yeah. ditched? Never got an explanation for it. Yeah. Like, we put loads of suggestions then. We were, us two especially, and I think Ryan from Fan TV, we were very vocal about how Billy Bond should be recognised. Yeah. I remember it was the first thing on my list of bullet points that mm. I wanted to discuss. And, you know, we just got binned off for, mm. for no reason. Like, why? You know? Yeah. It's very frustrating. Yeah. At Noble Art 16 says, should we have an ex-player slash legend as a director of football at the club? He also misses the events more than the football. And so do we, mate, believe me. Yeah, massively miss the events. Um, I think that ex-player would have to be very qualified. You can't just mm. have any old random turn up and take that role. No, spot Because on. the thing is, as well, it's a lot harder than just... I don't know, being a decent footballer, you know, you could be like the best footballer in the world, but it doesn't mean you're going to be the best director no, of football. I agree. And you look at how many top, top players became top managers. Mm. It's very rare. You know, the top managers in the league at the moment, I guess, if you look at Klopp, he was a average to good footballer in the German league. Mourinho had no football experience. Um, obviously, Solskjaer and Lampard break that a little bit, but Wenger, you know, he played... At, Even Alex, know, Ferguson, Alex Ferguson. Arguably the greatest of all time. I don't think he had a great career yeah, as a I mean, player, did he? played for Rangers, I think, but yeah, nothing spectacular. Yeah. Um, you know, Maradona, I can't do it, like, <laughs> for obvious reasons, I think, there. But, you know, Bobby Moore, Jeff Hurst, Martin Peters, yeah. none of them became great managers. So I think you'd have to you'd have to pick the right person to do that job. Um, 
who that right person is as the next player. I don't know. Like, mm. I like the idea of ex-players being coaches. Like, I think Joe Cole could offer something. I think, like, and I'm just basing this on how they speak on Sky, really. I don't know what they're like as coaches. Rio probably could offer something. Um, you know, people like that. Paolo, maybe. Although I think he'd want to do more than what his actual job title yeah. was and would undermine people. Um, but I just don't... You don't I'd, in some ways... And it sounds controversial. I'd rather have someone that wasn't connected to West Ham. Mm. So they almost looking at it as like completely subjective rather yeah. than with any kind of loyalty or yeah. heart or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm saying this right. Luck Live 77, who's interested to know our true feelings on the club's long term future because he feels like we're an old Ford Escort pretending to be a cabriolet. <laughs> I, I, I don't see us changing anything really until the board goes yeah i think we'll just be pretty much the same false promises should be better than we are probably just about staying up every year Mm. i I can't see it changing Mm. really because unless Moyes does an amazing job with limited resources Mm. which maybe he will because you know at the end of after lockdown we were a much better team than we were previously maybe with the addition of grady and a few other players and stuff, Suchek and Bowen for the whole season, maybe we will be better, but I, I just don't see, like, you know, we were promised Champions League football, I, I can't see that happening, no. not not the way we are. No, no we're so far behind, yeah. you know, in terms of, you know, everything to do with our football club, really, you mm-hmm. know, we, we've, we, we seem to, I don't know, have these big dreams um, of being that big club, that's been created by the owners, but actually, in reality, we just don't know how to get there. Yeah. You know, they'll tell you they've tried everything they can do and they believe they're doing the right job for West Ham, but they're not. Not not to take us to that next level that they've told us they would do. The, the, bit, the massive mistake is that they've basically ridiculously overhyped everything that's yeah. ever going to happen. Yeah. If they'd came in at the start and been modest and said, look, the club's not in a great way. We're taking over. We're not the richest people in the world. We are West Ham fans. We will do what we think is best for the club. You know, we'll try, we haven't got as much money as some, but we'll try the stadium. We're going to take a punt on it. It might not be mm. as successful as we want it to be originally, but it might take time. I think West Ham fans probably be a bit more patient mm. but it's the fact they came in and said we're going to be Champions League within a few years we have the world class stadium a world class team yeah. all these fucking PR disasters mm. yeah. it was almost like it was almost like in on the apprentice where they try to big themselves up so much to make yeah. themselves look good yeah. like Brady's obviously taken that from that so with West Ham yeah. the way we did that video of the whole stadium you know, they must have known it was never going to be as good as what they showed in the video because mm. they would have been dealing with the, the logistics of it all. So I, I think the false promises are possibly the biggest mistake they ever made. Yeah, it is. It's that lack of transparency, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And it is, it's just managing people. And that is, it's a skill, don't get me wrong, it's a skill in itself. But I think if a chairman of any football club has that skill, it's no coincidence that these are the ones that create that togetherness and that community feel within these football clubs. Yeah. But our owners just don't seem to have that in their locker. And if anything, the way they've gone about the whole stadium move and the future for West Ham, it has made a lot of people feel like they've been lied to and that they've been mugged off because, once again, it's another relegation season in this new stadium, which not a hell of a lot of people like. 
and the latest is we haven't got any money for transfers. So yeah. you, you, you cannot help but think, why did we make the move? Exactly. And it almost feels like they don't like West Ham fans. Yeah, like, I know. Like, like, I think it's definitely a lack of respect for West yeah, Ham fans. Yeah, like almost, it almost feels like they do things deliberately sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah. and you kind of think, what is this? You know, If I was to be mm. a chairman of a football club, the first thing I'd try and do is to get the fans on the site. Yeah. There's certain people that manage the media and social media and things like that very, very well. And, and like... <laughs> You know, a lot of how I know certain people is through sort of helping out a little bit with the social media side of things. And those that do it very well know what to say at the right time to get people on board. Mm. Those that don't say things and it makes people go against them. Your image to the public is so important. Yeah. Yet they don't seem to see the value nah. in that. And I guess in previous roles as a porn baron and Anne Summers lead probably the the product you're selling does the the positive <laughs> pr for you yeah. and they've never had yeah. to but in most businesses you know if you've come from you know if you're the chairman of uh, nike for example or adidas or whatever you've got your public image your public brand yeah. is everything yeah and I, and I just don't think they've ever had no. that experience i think they had the same problem yeah. at birmingham yeah yeah, yeah know, they did yeah you're right the fans yeah. didn't like them there so it's not like west ham fans are I'm not a, a difficult breed. I think we are in some mm. ways, but there's track to say that they've mm. done it. It's the same elsewhere. Yeah, I think it's it's ignorance and arguably arrogance on their part, I think. Yeah. Uh, this one's from at Will Earl, and uh, he's saying, with the club's current financial position, where do you think we should be aiming for in the league? And do you think we can challenge for Europe under David Moyes? I think, f- for me... An improvement on last season will be comfortably staying up. So I'm saying 14th, 13th, away from relegation. Like a, a sort of a Newcastle or a Southampton or a, I don't know, Burnley this season. A team like that that yeah. had no real real stresses and stuff and just kind of stayed up quite easily. And maybe if we can get a semi-decent cut run, like quarterfinals, semi-finals of something, that would be... What I expect at the maximum, I think. Yeah, well, we have to start taking these cup competitions seriously as well. I mean, again, when me and you went to uh, the Emirates, we played Arsenal in the quarterfinal of the League Cup. And he's put out a load of fringe players, a load of youth. Most of them were out of position. It just looked like he didn't want to win the game. And the most frustrating thing about it was Arsenal did exactly the same thing. So they were there for the taking. We ended up losing the game. And you think, this club hasn't won a trophy since 1980. Mm. The fans have made an away trip. All right, it's not not far to travel. But that quite easily could have been Manchester, for example. And all the fans would have gone there to watch that. And you just think, "Why? why are we just... You know, settling for mediocrity all the time. Why can't we shoot for the stars? All right, the league's easier said than done. But have a go. Put out your best players. If you get an injury in the process, that's life. But at least have a crack at some success. Yeah. Rather than your sole objective year after year is just to stay in the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole way that clubs, particularly clubs of West Ham stature, treat the Carabao Cup is an absolute shocking yeah, I do. don't know why we do no, that. It's not as if we've got you know Champions League to focus exactly, on, exactly because that is our biggest chance of winning. You think because the big clubs do disrespect it so much. Yeah, that is the one cup more so than the FA Cup to yeah. try and win because it's, I know it's not as glamorous as the FA Cup, but it's still a trophy. Yeah, and you know Man City for example, it's the only thing they won this year. Like I know yeah. 
yeah. they I know they came second in the league and stuff, but in terms of trophies, they've won it three years in a row. And the reason they win it is because their squad is so um like big with the money they've got. Yeah. Their second string eleven is as good as most teams first string 11 yeah so the fat west ham disrespect that trophy is absolutely shocking you know if we're going to disrespect it we might as well lose the first game mm. if we're always going to put out a weakened team we might as well literally throw the first game yeah just get out of it yeah what's than, the point what is the point yeah yeah well not being funny if if you're not going to take the competition seriously at the quarterfinal stage yeah when are you going to take know, it seriously exactly. You know, it's it's so frustrating. But in terms of, I mean, I made my feelings very clear on a recent podcast where I said that I do think we'll always be treading water under David Moyes. I think when the players decide to turn up, we can do good things, but that doesn't happen often enough. No. And I, I hate to say it, I think that's going to be the theme again next season. So I, I think I'm predicting probably a top 12 finish. But in my opinion, anything less than a top 10 finish is an underachievement again. Yeah, it is an underachievement, I agree. But I think it's what is a realistic achievement. I I don't think we'll get in the top 10 for numerous factors. A, we've got no budget. B, is David Moyes good enough to get us in the top 10? And is the squad good enough? I know you say on paper it's a top six side. but Well, yeah, not top six, probably top eight. Okay, top eight, but I think that's based upon... um, individuals rather than as a collective team yeah um and i just don't think we'll ever do yeah but i i think you know you might say it's based on individuals and that's true but it's the manager's job to turn those individuals into a team that's the manager's job you know i I don't i can't understand why season after season after season we make all these signings players come players go and there's this kind of lack of chemistry and togetherness that, say, Sheffield United have or Burnley have. The thing is, they recruit better. I mean, for our 90, uh, our 85 million on Anderson and Allaire, yeah. probably their squad probably costs 40 million, 50 million, you know. I think, you know, just people like, that. I can't name everyone in Sheffield United's team, but they had Henderson on loan from Man United and Lundstram, who they picked up from... On no a lower league team, you know they had players all throughout their side that were just not particularly big names, but they recruited properly, not just for ability, but for the right person for the right team. Yeah, yeah. Position. I mean, again, you know, and that's the problem. We, we, we've we've recruited on ability. Psychologically, there's been issues with some of the players that we've signed. But again, that's down to the manager to change that. Definitely. 100%. And also the fact that we have a director of football that has been a director of football more or less for the last 10 years at West Ham. Prior to that, at Birmingham, with having no football experience and Mm. using trusted agents. Yeah. It's just not how to do it. No, it's not. It's not. Stuck in the dark ages in that respect, I think. 100%. At James Erupt wants to know how the hell we can be classed as the 18th richest club in football when we haven't got a pot to piss in? Which I think is a very fair question. I mean, what is that based on? I think it's based on turnover, which, no, I'm not an accountant, so I can't give the best explanation as probably a lot of people can. Sean Wetson is the best person to ask on these things. Turnover, from my limited knowledge, is based upon how much money comes into the club it doesn't account for how much goes out of the club. Right. So I think it basically is how much money is being brought in. So 
It could be, and I'm not defending the board, and I don't know the right answers. It could be that we bring in 500 million, which would make us a massive club. But if we're spending 600 million, yeah, then there's no money. Yeah, yeah. okay. Strange think, way of ranking clubs in the rich yeah, list. If you're I, taking, I, it should be profit and loss, and then your bottom line should, yeah, exactly. should put you in those rankings. I'm gonna actually Google Quite frustrating. this because I don't want all the. Um, like explanations that I'll get on Twitter tomorrow telling me I'm wrong but um, yeah I was right so turnover the amount of money taken by a business in a particular period yeah and to your knowledge that is that is what they based that yeah, on yeah yeah and right. so so West Ham take in a lot of money but depending on who you believe we also spend out a lot of money. I mean, so our wage bill is massive. It is, yeah. That, that, that's that's a again, fact. That's it is a very large wage bill. Yeah. Sanchez, oh, yeah, ridiculous. Jack Wilshire. Jack Wilshire, 100,000. Yeah. Even the likes of Winston Reid. Now, yeah. I, now, don't get me wrong. If I'm Winston and I'm protecting my future and my family's future, I'm not just going to do the honourable thing and retire from West Ham because I know I can't give nothing back. But at the same time, you can't help but think by not retiring, he's taking the piss out of West Ham oh, a little is. bit. I mean, I mean, he hasn't played for Christ knows how long. Do you know when we talk about selections on this show and upcoming games, and that, he's not even in my mind. I no. forget he plays for West Ham. I think Eastern if it, it, it would be two years in March that he hasn't that's, played for that's West Ham. What is wrong with him? He's, I said it on the podcast. If you remember way before he actually got injured, he's, he's basically his back is absolutely buggered. And when your back's buggered, everything goes. like in, His hamstrings continuously go. His knees can't work properly because of his back not supporting his weight. He can't twist properly. So his hips are all buggered. I think he's just ruined as a footballer, basically. He went to America, didn't he, on loan? At the end of the last season, I couldn't even tell you if he played a game whilst he was out there. In fact, that'll be worth Googling because from knowledge, I don't think he even played. I mean, I know that the coronavirus shut the league and stuff, but mm. uh, I don't think he even played there. I don't even know if he's gone to, yeah, he went on loan to Sporting Kansas City and didn't play a game. Now, I don't even know if he's gone with the squad to... Uh, Scotland. Scotland yeah I don't know if he's there or not I haven't seen anything to say that he is but you're right he's picking up I, I can't remember what he's on I guess about 70 75 we gave him a five year contract mm. not long ago we gave Cresswell a massive new contract mm. not long ago um, it's just very very bizarre how we do this because mm. you could argue that the board aren't tight because they spent massive wages on Pellegrini yeah. massive wages on yeah. Wilshire that does get yeah. overlooked yeah Hernandez was on 150 odd grand yeah. a, a month but yeah. a, a week sorry but again why are we signing these players yeah. you know again you look at our, our big name forward signings of recent years um, you've got Hernandez doesn't fit the system inverted commas yeah. Hilaire doesn't fit the system inverted commas why the fuck are you signing them if they yeah. don't fit the I system I know like, it's just, yeah. well, it's well, just I don't ridiculous. even think we know what our system is I, I think, think that's part a, of the problem I don't think there is a system no I think there's a, a an attempt at a system and then when that doesn't work try something new yeah. you, could, you could never say West Ham are a I know four five one formation team that gets it out to the wings, the wingers whip it in. If you're doing data analysis on West Ham, yeah. you would have to almost do it on a match by match basis. You couldn't say they're a team that use pacey wingers or they're a team that use you know pressing all the time because mm. I don't think we have a consistent approach. Mm. At Ray the Hammer says, what is the best course of action to force the fraudsters out? Is there actually anything we can do to influence a decision for them to sell up? 
I mean, I think the one thing that we could do is the one thing that no one ever will do, and that is boycott the games. I think, you know, a big thing's been made about the financial impact on the club from the coronavirus, not having the fans there. Obviously, that in turn means that no one's going to go to the club shop, etc., etc. If that was happening week after week after week, I think that's the one thing that would force their hand to sell. But... It's easier said than done, isn't it? You know, A, you don't want to miss a game of football, and B, you want to support the boys on the pitch. So that's not going to happen. Other than that, realistically, I'm not sure there is anything powerful enough to make it happen. No, I mean, there isn't. You're right, there's not much they can do other than continue, I guess, with what they're doing and hope the numbers grow. I mean, if you've got those marches, I I can't remember what the figure was now from memory, 8,000 people at those marches, I can't remember, if you've got suddenly got 80,000 people at that march, that says, uh, I mean, 8,000 is a big figure, but 80,000, that's that's huge, Um, then, you know, you might get something, but I don't think there's much that they're that you can do what I think needs to happen is any prospective owners that are genuinely interested in buying West Ham they need to make their themselves known Mm. they need to say we want to buy the club and then West Ham fans can say look Gold Sullivan we've got this owner that wants to buy the club sell up to him now because at the Mm. moment they just say well who are we selling to there's no one there yeah so I think that has to happen as well this is from at Irons and Hammers. Is the appointment of Stuart Pearce a way of pacifying David Moyes as the transfer budget is minimal? Um, I think it would appease David Moyes, definitely. I think he wanted Stuart Pearce in. He was desperate to get him in. He wanted to get him in when he was appointed uh, in the first place. But wasn't there a bit of a to-do back in January where either he wanted to come back or he turned down yeah, the chance he because he said something about the board I can't really remember he's, something happened didn't he it? said he didn't want to come back because of the way that the board hadn't made him certain promises and stuff now from my understanding was they'd only offered him a part a contract like um, what Nevin and Nolan had got till the end of the season right if West Ham had been relegated probably been out of a job and I think at the time he had quite a cushy talk sport role so then he I think it was something to do with that and he didn't think that the chairman had the right vision because they were going to do these part time contracts for everyone then I think he's been offered a proper contract now to the end of when Moyes' reign is which I, which I think it's only a year February. anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but at least he's got that reassurance. And I, I don't know if it's a way of pacifying him for the transfers, but it's definitely a way of saying to him, he's someone that you want. He's also a point, it was going to be in my section, but I might as well say it now. He's also a point to the fitness coach, Moyes. Um, uh, Fucking hell, he's going to have his work cut out yeah, for it. exactly. Um, from Everton, from who's worked with at Everton. So he's beginning to get his own staff. But it is kind of the, the, the case where probably where you have it. It's like if you play football manager, yeah, you take over take over a club and you've got no budget. You look around, you try and get some free transfers and some loans and stuff. Yeah. The only other thing you can do is improve your staff. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, that's what, maybe that's what he's done to feel like he's actually doing something. Yeah. And, I, and obviously, Stuart Pearce is a, a, a very good in his playing days a very good defender yeah. um, you know a defender that played with his heart and his sleeve maybe we can give him a game now well you know he's a great player for West Ham well into his late 30s I think he's also been brought in to get some of those defenders to defend mm like an old school defender would do yeah. with bravery and throwing themselves in front of the ball and with fight so I think the appointment 
is for that respect. Now, people have asked me a bit about it because I said it on the show. It's a little bit awkward to talk about now that he's back. But when he was first there, he wasn't that popular with the players. I said that on the show, so I can't backtrack. And I still know that and when he was appointed this time I know that obviously a lot of the players have moved on now from when he was first there but I know there was some apprehension with certain players to him coming back um, but apparently the first training session on Monday he sort of you know, was introduced to them again and I think they've kind of just willing to give him a second go so to speak I mean you can't knock his playing career I think mm. his management career did well for England under 21s but then club level was a bit mm. you know, he played David James up front for Man City and stuff <laughs> and then the, the 2012 Olympics you remember he didn't pick David Beckham yeah principal when it was the most obvious iconic yeah. thing to do yeah and he chose not to yeah I know I've always seen him as probably more suited to the youngsters to be honest with yeah. you but um I now, think it's funny how he replies to to your messages when you've asked him to come on the podcast and the events. Yeah, and he said, yeah. did he say like, oh, we wanted to do an event or something? He just said, no, nah, I don't like. That was yeah, what he said. Was yeah, it? no, I, I I called him and um, uh, I think I called him and asked him once. I had a conversation with him on the phone there, and uh, he just said, uh, no, I'm, I'm too busy at the moment. Thanks for the call, Dave. That was that. And then quite some time later. I texted him, said, Stuart, you might remember me. I called about the West Hamway pre-match event. We'd still love to have you there. If your diary is any freer than it was back then. Um, he just replied, no, not for me. <laughs> and, then, and then funny enough, funny enough, funny you say that, because when he got the job at West Ham, I, t- I texted him. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know if you did, but I uh-huh. did. And uh, I texted him. I said, uh, hi, Stuart. Congratulations on the reappointment at West Ham, and I wish you the very best of luck. It's great to have you back, mate, Dave. And then uh, he just replied, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, he's a, hopefully he's he's a man of more words on the training pitch than he's uh, over text message. But no, I like him. I loved him as a player. Yeah. Um, I I like his mentality, his winning mentality, and uh, you know, in my opinion, he's he's what a man should be. And I loved him at West Ham on the pitch, and we'll see. I mean, I I do remember you saying about how the players felt about him before and you know we're not privy to that are we so and also you don't know but hopefully it'll work out okay yeah and also it might be a good fit that they didn't like him because it might mean they were giving him a he was giving them a bollocking maybe yeah that's what I mean you don't know dear you don't know the facts yeah that's true at Guitar Glasgow is interested to know if we would be happy signing just a quality left back not losing anyone important and giving some young players a chance I do think there is something in giving our youngsters a chance and not needing to worry because we're not. Um, we played well at the end of last season. Dean Garner, I think, is going to be a useful addition to the squad. Mm. You know, I think Coventry could do a job for us. I think maybe Cullen could. Johnson finished strong. Johnson, didn't he? yeah. So I think, I think there is an argument for that. However, we do need a new centre back, in my opinion. Mm. Um, Balbuena, I'm not sure he's. Re- I always had, even when he was playing well for West Ham, I always wasn't completely convinced on him. Winston Reid, as we've said, is non-existent, and then at least Diopanogbona. So I mm. think you definitely need a new centre back as well. Um, I think we could, if we've obviously sold a jetty, I think we could do with another forward because Antonio's so injury prone that he'll he'll do his hamstrings. Uh, at some point, mm. then you're left with a layer. I still not convinced he's what we need, so we definitely need another forward. I mm. would say as well. Yeah, I, we oh. definitely need. I'd say three, four, five players. But I think we might have discussed this on last week's show. Actually, 
if everyone is playing on form and at the top of their game, then personally, I think the only areas of concern are the fullback areas. Yeah. Um, but when I look with at Johnson, you could arguably say there's only one fullback. Well, well, I was just about to say that. I mean, if you look at the right back area, I had Fredericks in mind, but obviously, if you put Johnson on the right and then sign that quality left back that Guitar Glasgow is um, is saying. I would be happy with that because that would also mean that we'd keep Declan Rice. And then it's just about getting the best out of these players. I'm yeah. sick of saying it. But, you know, it's we're, we're so much more capable than what we're delivering week in, week out. And it is just quite simply a case of the boys not turning up. Now, I don't know if, if they have enough respect for West Ham, for David Moyes, if they listen to what he's saying on the training pitch. Maybe they disagree with what he wants them to do on the training pitch. I don't know. But... I, I just, it's so frustrating because over the years, we've seen so much shit at West Ham, but you can suffer it because you know that we're trying our best with the tools that we've got. Now, I think it's the opposite. We've got good tools at the club, but we're just not using them in the right way and they're not using themselves in the right way. And that is a constant source of frustration for me. Mm. It really is. Uh, at Gamma91 is asking if we can both go player by player, keep or sell. And if we sell, how much we'd want for them with a realistic replacement. Um, so if we just go, not the whole squad, but okay. the starting 11, in my mind, what I think the starting 11 would be if they was all on form. So Fabianski, keep or sell? Um, keep. Um, mainly because you're not going to get anything from him. You yeah. might get a little bit, but he's 30. Six, five, thirty-five, yeah, 36, something like that. He, I mean, we are going to have to start thinking about getting a new goalkeeper to succeed him yeah. whether Randolph can be that person highly debatable and then you've got Trot and Anang and then we actually he never gets spoken about but it's a transfer that I broke exclusively back in the day um, and we've also got a Hungarian goalkeeper and I've forgotten his name but when we signed him he was really really highly rated one of the high, most highly rated kids in in world football I'm not dr- dramatising it so he's he's one that could come through but we potentially need to sign a new goalkeeper in the next mm. few years but because Fabianski is a decent keeper and you're not going to make any money from selling him anyway then I'd keep him yeah okay if we can keep the answer to just keep or sell sorry sorry <laughs> Because we're going to be here for a very long time otherwise. Aaron Creswell. You go first. Sell. Yeah, I think I would as well. Yeah. Sad to say because I like him as a person. He's a really good lad, really nice fella. Yeah. I just don't think he's performed. I think he's shot his bolt a bit now. I think we've seen the best of Aaron Creswell. I think to defend him, the injury really did him that he got like a few years ago. Um, I would sell. If you could get five million for him, I'd be delighted. I mm. think. Yeah, because it's not a small change for his wage either, is he? I'm um, assuming. He's no, I don't know what he's on. I'd say he's on about 60, 50, Yeah, it's 60. decent wage there. Yeah, yeah. Um, a Bonner. Keep. Diop. Keep. Johnson. Unless, unless Diop, someone came in like 50 million, 40 million. Yeah. But I'd keep him for now. Johnson. Keep. Rice. Definitely keep. Suchek. Keep. Anderson. Sell. Lanzini. Sell. Bowen. Keep. Oh, this is this is an interesting one. Halea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that would depend on how much came in for him. If we could get the money back for him, sell. If we was to take a loss of, say, 15 million on him, then keep. 
yeah. I, I want I want him to do well and I want you and all the other people that have given me shit not that you've given me shit but those that have given me shit throughout the year about how good he supposedly is I want to be proven wrong yeah. so yeah, of I course. would say I would say keep then given the choice out of the two yeah well let me throw two other names as well for nows keep because I think there's probably more to come from him but play him in the right position yeah and Antonio keep see what's interesting there and the reason I threw those other names in there and and I think this proves my point Mm. because Anderson Lanzini don't start yeah Hilaire at the moment doesn't start so actually if you replace them with the names I just gave you Fornells and Antonio who are both keeps out of that starting 11 there's one cell yeah so this is why I believe that if everyone plays to their bloody potential for once consistently I think we're looking at a new fullback. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, as a primary. You, you've used that question well. That's a, yeah, that does back up your point. Yeah, yeah, I really believe that. I don't know what the listeners think, but as always, tweet us for your feedback. But that's uh, certainly how I feel. I mean, about some it. of them are question marks. I mean, for now, I've got question yeah. marks on because yeah. I do think he has been out of position. Uh, he's contributed well in some games, but. I wouldn't say he's overly impressed me. Um, and then Antonio, I'm basing it on literally the last eight or nine games, but he's massively injury prone. You need to take that into account. Mm. Um, but then they're the main starting eleven. If you go through and you go Wilshire, Sell, uh, Roberto, Sell, um, Balbuena, Sell, yeah. Snodgrass. I'd probably keep him because you wouldn't get much from him. I think he can do a job when he comes on. Mm. Noble, you'd keep Noble because, yeah, again, there'd be no point selling him. But if you look at the, the bench, you're yeah. more likely to sell the bench. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree. At Mark WHU1 says, do we know the plan for the formation next season? Are we continuing with Antonio up top on his own or will he be partnered with Hilaire? Because, again... You know, I don't know if David Moyes fancies Hilaire. He wasn't starting him when he was fully fit towards the end of last season. So does that potentially mean we've seen the end of Hilaire before most of us want to see him get started? Because the other thing is, if we're playing one up front, do you drop Antonio? No way. You you have to go with the same team pretty much. Or do you play four four two and play Alaire with him? No, not at the moment. I, for me, you stick with what got us out of the crap at the end of last season where we started to play really well. I think you have to obviously improve the fullback situation. But in terms of that, I, I would play exactly as we were. Bowen on one side. It was for Nails on the other side. I don't side. like him on the no, wing, though, for Nails. What about Some... Antonio, um, left wing? I just think he played so right. well up front that I yeah. wouldn't want to take that away from him now. You know, the man's on fire. He's going to be coming into this new season with a real, like, I could be top scorer. Here, yeah, a lot of confidence. Was, a lot of confidence. I actually think you have to start a layer on the bench. I, 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 mm. I maybe play Dean Garner on the wing, Bowen and Dean Garner with Antonio up front. That's a nice pacey, mm. pacey attack there. But I, I, um, I, I would like to see, like I said, a lad. I want a lad to do well. But again, if it's what everyone says it is, you've got to change the system. You can't change the system at the moment because the system is actually working for mm. once. If we start the season and we lose the first three games, Antonio's rubbish. Then of course mm. change it. Then, but I think you have to start the season as mm. we left the last one. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Part of me thinks this is the beginning of the end for Hilaire. I know well, it sounds doesn't dramatic, but I mean, he's not going to want to sit on the bench week in, week no, out, is and, he? And it's obvious. Moyes, you don't have to be an ITK to know that. You're in a relegation battle, yeah. um, and he wasn't. People don't seem to understand this. The game against Wolves, the first game back from lockdown that he didn't play, yes, he was injured, but he was on the bench anyway. Mm. So, yeah, he missed the first three or four games, whatever it was, for injury. I'm not even sure whether he would have it would have made a difference obviously he would have came off the bench occasionally but I really wasn't due to start against Wolves so I don't, and then he was due to come back quicker than that and it was to be on the bench and so I if you're in a relegation battle you need goals to keep you up you've got your 45 million pound forward and you still choose not to pick him mm. to me that shows you that a the manager doesn't rate him and b well, he can't be that good because mm. otherwise the manager would have played him regardless. I wonder how much pressure the board put on Moyes, if any at all, to play their marquee signing that they've spent £45 million pound on rather, and pay 100 odd grand a week to. I think they'd rather, and this is how my opinion of the board, I think they'd rather Moyes didn't play him and he turned out to be shit so they could blame Pellegrini for it. Do you think so? Yeah, I think there's a narrative at the moment now that all of West Ham's problems are because Pellegrini was so terrible at recruitment and if he can turn around and say, we, we gave Pellegrini 45 million, 45 million and he blew it on a shit forward, mm. then they can, again, it, they can can distance themselves from any blame same as you know Yarmolenko you could have you could play Yarmolenko in that formation you know they could distance themselves from has he been a good signing jury's out on that you know you could look at most of Pellegrini's signings even Diop to an extent which I don't agree with because I think Diop's good but if you look at most of Pellegrini's signings you could put a case against them mm. all being bad signings mm. really Fabianski but he has he was a good signing, but he mm. was due to come to us arguably before Pellegrini was coming anyway. So yeah, so I think the board would actually rather Hilaire flops in some ways. Mm. Mm. Interesting, interesting theory. At Dildo Brothers One. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of the board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Leads me nicely on yeah. to say that he says if you and X were to take over from Golden Sullivan, what would be the first five changes you would implement to turn us from a laughing stock into European contenders? The first thing we'd have to do is what we've spoke about earlier on the show is build up a relationship with yeah. the fans. Yeah. So the first thing would be it'd be some kind of so important. offer, wouldn't it? It'd be first offer would be all alcohol on the house on the well, that probably mm. cause riots, but <laughs> something, something <laughs> along those lines. A lot like a free T-shirt on the seats or just something. It doesn't even have to be a massive expensive gesture or like a flag or something just something on the yeah. seat just say we're here let's go together I want to do an honest interview mm. I want to say look me and Dave haven't got any experience <laughs> of doing this you know like we just rocked up from a West Ham way podcast yeah. you know? yeah. uh, fuck so, me and you'd have to go into hiding after six months yeah. we'd be fucking useless this this new lovely <laughs> podcast room like an air raid shelter like barbed wire all around it and stuff yeah. like that yeah. Um, yeah. and like we um, and I I think we'd have to definitely build up fan relationships. I think yeah, it'd be the most we, important we thing. Well, we'd, we'd have to we'd ha- we'd have to project because it's true anyway that we are one of you. Yeah, and that's what Golden Sullivan don't do. No. You need complete transparency. You need to be at one with the fans, make gestures, and just make this club the family club that it always portrays itself to be. Yeah, that and that's what you need to do. I don't actually think it's 
that difficult no, to build a relationship with the fans. As long as you do things in the right way, you're yeah. honest, you're likable, and everything you do is with the genuine intent to take this club forward, then I think the fans will, will give you that time. A million percent. And I would also, again, touch on something we said earlier, I'd also like to get um, ex-players more involved. So not just mm. Trevor Brookin. I'd probably say, look, to Billy Bonds, if you want to come in and give us some advice on the board, let's get you in. And then get some younger people in. Get Rio Ferdinand or Joe Cole in as an advisor to us on that board and just say, look, you know, what do you think, lads? You know, mm. something like that. Um, I think, you know, obviously it depends on what finances we're going into this. If we're going into it with the current finances we've got now, <laughs> then we're going we're gonna to be absolutely buggered. But yeah. let's just let's just assume we've got uh, the same... Like, we're on the back of the sun with Jimmy from the Dog and Duck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> let's just assume we've got a fair amount of money behind us. You'd have to look at maybe an alternative ground. You'd build a new stadium somewhere in like somewhere within the old place like obviously I, I don't know if there's any availability but looking to move back to our original home with a new stadium purposely built for football that would be a massive thing and then just to try to give a team that wants to play for the club a mm. team and a manager that are proud of West Ham just get that yeah. pride back in West Ham you know like we we've all as West Ham supporters defended this club more than your average football fan has to yeah. because growing up in London we've been surrounded by your Arsenal's your Tottenham's your Chelsea yeah. your Man United's your Liverpool's supporters and when I was at school both at primary and secondary school, I was massively in the minority as a West Ham fan. Yeah, yeah. Massively. In fact, in secondary school, bearing in mind I went to secondary school in Walthamstow, right, I think that I was in maybe a year group and there was about, say, five, six forms, so about 180 kids in my year. I would say there was about three, four West Ham fans. Yeah. Um, and you think, you know, we were around the corner from the club there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, most were Arsenal from memory, but you, you did have Tottenham, you did have your, your Man United and stuff. And I had to defend West Ham all the time. You know, we were in a championship at yeah. times. We get relegated. We've we've fought for this club ourselves because we're proud of it and we're proud of the history. I love seeing Bobby Moore is a West Ham Mm. icon I love seeing you know Julian Dix I love watching old footage of West Ham fans like the whole East End spirit mm. uh, you know when the 1980 Cup final was for example and you see all the streets of Newham um, decked out in claret and blue you know I've got a photo of my great nan who I was born in 1980 and she died when she was not in 1980 when she was 99 so the, so the Cup final she must have died maybe two or three months after the Cup final her whole house, bear in mind she was 99 at the time, decorated in West Ham, scarves, rosettes, everything. I've got that picture wow. on my fa- on my parents' mantelpiece at home and it meant so much to people like her. I have to share that on yeah, um, the, social it's media. It's an amazing photo, mate, yeah. she was 99 at the time yeah, and the amazing. whole house is just kitted out in West Ham stuff and you think it's a real... It's a real pride thing. Like when I'm yeah. talking, you know, I've been out for dinner with my kids today and they often say to me, not the boy because he can't speak yet, but the girls often say to me, like, Daddy, why do you support West Ham? Or like, you know, why don't you support mm. Liverpool or whatever? And I always do like local club in the in the his, in the family, you know, and then I talk about you should be proud to be West Ham. And that's what you've got to reinstall. You know, I don't think the owners 
realise how fucking lucky they are to own mm. West Ham United yeah, Football Club. I, know. I would give everything I had to own mm. West Ham United Football Club. I have tried so many times to get back involved in the club and try and get some... Co- I'd do it for free. I'd take a pay cut. You know, mm. If I could get on that board to to actually advise the club the right way, I would half my salary. I need mm. some money to keep my family alive, but I would half my salary to go and work for West Ham. Mm. Yeah, but, I, I think every fan's in the same boat. I, I really do. Um, I think the other thing that we need, we would need to look at is the training facilities as well. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just... It, you look at Tottenham's, for example, it just doesn't compare. And you see the owners sometimes come out and say, we've thrown money at the redevelopment of it. It looks like the same shit oh, it's always been to me. It never looks to improve. And for a Premier League club, in comparison to a Tottenham, for example, who are our rivals, that's embarrassing. So I'd want to make that state-of-the-art. And, and, and that is that in itself is something that is a statement of intent and can attract new players as well. 100%. It's a massive thing. I mean, you think as a footballer, you re- you're at, especially at the London Stadium where we don't own it, you're only at it 19 times if you take out cup games a year. Because mm. you're at that training facility like yeah. pretty much every day of the year, bar those 19 times when you're at the stadium or you're on pre-season. What is interesting about the stadi- the training facilities is that I know someone quite well who is massively involved in the the infrastructure of the training facilities right i'm not saying too much but like i know someone and he's a good friend of mine i've known him numerous years now and he tells me that the press that the training ground gets is really inaccurate there's actually much better than west ham thinks it is west ham fans think it is really they? they think it's random porter cabins is the basically the image isn't there but apparently it's much better than it is so i say back to him well the club need to let the likes of me and dave and others show how good yeah. give us a fucking tour yeah of it. take us round show us what we've got and let us put it out there that actually with some footage it's better than we yeah. think it but is. where's the common sense from the owners to come out and say oh we've put x amount of redevelopment into it and we're supposed to almost feel sorry for them that they've had to lay out five million pound but from our eyes we're not seeing anything so A we think it's a lie or B they've put the money in the wrong places so why don't they use some intelligence and say we've spent money on a redevelopment and come inside let's have, let I've, me show asked, you around mate the stupid thing is i spell this out to the club i've said to them look let me and dave come in you can watch what we do we won't you can even monitor everything we say if you're that bothered by it let us watch the session let us see the facilities we've got let us do our own commentary on what we've seen you can be there with us so that we don't take the piss and let us put it out for you yeah. in and and it will be honest because if we go there and they're worried that we're gonna say it's crap well it, it they should have confidence that it isn't because if we're mm. gonna say it is crap then it is crap yeah you know they should have confidence that their facilities are good and that we would be impressed in my mind I have this vision, and I know it's not this, of just a random load of porter cabins that are like from the 1980s that have got holes in the roof, you know, rubbish things, nothing Mm. that any of the top clubs have. And I'm probably wrong in my head, but I have no evidence to show that I'm wrong. Let us come in and let us show to the fans what the facilities are. Why not? What are you got to lose from this? And I don't know some people from the club listen to this show when they're worried about what I'm going to say in my section. So if you're listening to this, use your 
nugget and have a think and get us in uh, and we will make mm. we will make an accurate portrayal of these facilities mm. and uh, the other thing I was going to say that comes to mind and we speak about this most weeks is a, a, a top class European scouting network yeah. I mean if you, you look back at Leicester when they signed Mares, oh, they signed it for about half a million pound yeah. Kante was Kante, exactly the same yeah, and Vardy. these were yeah oh. and, they, and they, those were three key players they actually got them to win the league yeah. the Premier League to be crowned the best in the country yeah. and how much was spent on those three players exactly and you, and the thing is right so Chilwell's another one so Chilwell great they're player probably going to sell him to uh, Chelsea it seems right and they're going to sell him for about 75-80 million this is going to kind of contradict the point I'm going to say because I can't bloody remember his name but the left back it begins with T Tag and Molly or something like that the left back they're going to sign to replace Chilwell if, it, if everything and the press is to be believed is just as good as Chilwell. Yeah. You know, he's a, I've thought I've seen this guy play. He's very good. Kante was a great signing. Look what they've done with him. Every sign they seem to make has gone on to do well. Mm. You know, there's you know even I remember when they signed um, the guy from Newcastle, Perez. And yeah. I thought that was a really random signing. Yeah, when I did. They signed but he's done him, well, hasn't he's he? done really well for yeah. them. Schmeichel. You know, yeah. he's his keeper. Oh, they've not had to replace him. They've even got the likes of people like Wes Morgan knocking around, but he's still a Premier League mm. winner now. Yeah. You know, and, and Southampton, they've got their recruitment right from the youth team. Every year, someone comes through at Southampton that then goes on to uh, move to either Liverpool or Tottenham, it seems, but they go on to do well. Um, Tottenham, Tottenham recruit well. You know, they signed Deli Alley for, mm. from MK Dons. They signed Carl Walker and then sold him on for big bucks mm. you know the, you know Burnley they recruit well they look at their mm. forwards Chris Wood who would have thought to sign him he scores loads yeah. of goals you know, the defender they've got um, Tri- Tracker Woski whatever his name is <laughs> um, Pope the keeper you know, I think they got Pope from Charlton or somewhere they've made great signings yeah just goes to show it's possible, yeah. but you need to get the right eyes out there looking. Yeah. Not David Moyes on his own in the stand watching a player for one game and letting that make your decision as to whether he's good enough for West Ham oh. or not. You, you know, what, what do you expect? I, every, everyone, and I know I've harped on about this point so many times, anyone that watched enough of Madison could tell he was good enough in the Premier League. Yeah. You, you can tell. It's certainly in those positions, it's a lot easier. When you're an attacking midfielder that's got to create opportunities and, and you know, bring others into play, You as a scout, you can see that a lot easier than sometimes than a full-back, for example, because, like, there, because you, you can watch the movement across the pitch, you can watch the vision of the passes, even if the pass doesn't work sometimes you can see at least the players got that vision um and yet we still decided he wasn't good enough because he played for norwich against chelsea in the cup and just mm. was where the whole team was outclassed mm. Mm. stupid stupid he's exactly what we need as well mm. that's what's so frustrating if we had a midfield of rice suchek and madison in the center mm. that's fucking perfect oh, that's tasty, you got your defensive midfielder in rice you got your box to box in suchek and you got mm. your creative one in madison mm. Mm. So frustrating. Now word on tonight's sponsors, our old friends Beer 52. They're offering a free case of eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash west and cover the £5.95 postage. Each case is delivered direct to your doorstep so no need to leave the house. If you're looking to stock up, now's your chance. 
Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every month. Each month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea and all over USA and Europe. As an independent British company, Beer 52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene and they continue to support it during this difficult period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. Don't worry, if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash west to get your first case of eight beers for just £5.95. That's www.beer52.com forward slash west. What have you got for us this week, pal? Okay, this section is brought to you. <laughs> There's uh, my own advert. It's not mans- uh, Manscaper, so a bit more respectable. So I bring in respectable clients yeah, to, the, yeah. to the podcast. You bring in bollock shavers. <laughs> I, bring in, <laughs> I bring in property companies. Yeah, you're bringing a bit so, of class to proceedings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my section is sponsored by Read Online, which is the online property sales investment platform that covers the whole of the UK, selling your home for as little as 995 pounds including VAT the online agent that incorporate incorporates traditional values with online practices you need to contact Martin if you're interested on 01702 606 888 and just to say um, Adam uh, uh, has sponsored us to do that he's a massive West Ham yeah, fan he's one of our own uh, he's a really top fella as well yeah. so um, like regardless of the fact that you know he is sponsoring my section um, it is if you want to support your own, you want yeah, you need you think about selling your house. That's the person to go to definitely. Um, Decent fee as well involved for selling. Nine hundred ninety five, nothing, yeah. mate. No, like, I mean, I sold my house what five years ago, paid a lot more yeah. than than yeah. that. So um, yeah, like I highly recommended all. all all jokes aside, all unlike you know, not just saying it because you know if he's sponsoring it, it genuinely is a good deal. Yep. And also, promise to do a shout out to a fellow called Matthew Rose. It's his 18th birthday. Um, he listens to the show regularly. Um, so yeah, big shout out to you, mate. I hope you enjoy your day. Um, hopefully West Ham has some signings for you soon. Um, but all <laughs> shall be revealed in the next few minutes. Uh, happy birthday, yeah, Matt. Happy Many birthday, happy returns, mate. mate. Right, let's kick off with transfers because that is the thing that most people want to know I've got more exclusives as the news continues aside from transfers so please continue to listen beyond transfers but um, Jordan Hugo is obviously someone that we want to get rid of um, ridiculous signing really when you look back on yeah. it um, I've already explained on the podcast the why the why is that he was signed don't want to go over it again now seeing as that manager mm. is now back at the club but yeah it wasn't let's say to give us a world class striker um, Norwich are interested in him that is true Norwich have limited options up front they've always got Pukki they have a German fella who uh, didn't do very well this year they've got a youngster um, and they just need a forward um, Hugel's wages is going to be too much for them and they can only afford a about two million for him, 
So what we're hoping to do is use Hugh Gould as a makeshift with Eze again, as I've, rep- I've repeated, reported, sorry, on previous shows. Um, what we may have to do is offer him as a reduce a reducement on the fee that we pay for Eze, but also we're probably going to have to cover some of his wages as well, I think, and use that as an incentive as well for the deal because Hugo was on like 35000 I think. So if we say to QPR, look, you pay him... 10 15,000 we'll pay him 20,000 for the rest of the season and but we want as uh, the rest of his contract but we want SA for say 5 million mm. then they might do a deal for us they have to sell SA soon because they're in financial trouble they um they he's only got a year's contract the QPR needs so now Crystal Palace are interested but Crystal Palace don't want to go to the fee that um, QPR want we do really want Eze um, I do think that um, he will um, want to come to us or Palace because they're London clubs you mm. know he's, he, I think that would be a, a big appeal to him now Moyes does want him the other winger that they want is the guy from um, Brent Erford uh, the Be- Behar- Beharam or whatever his name is mm. um, and, the, and the, the camps are kind of torn because Beharama is a Will Salthouse player, so there's that kind of loyalty to him. He's more of like a Mahrez player, bit more sort of creative, possibly a um, bit more sort of flamboyant. Whereas Eze is a bit more direct, I think, a bit more tricky, a bit more pacey, a bit more like Antonio, that sort of type of player. Um, Could you I, not have, is it not potential to play him as a number ten and have Ben Rama on a on the yeah, wing? You maybe. Could do. You I mean, could if we do. sold Philippe Anderson, for example, yeah. That could potentially make that happen, couldn't it? He could it? do, he could do. So that is an option. But whether we'll get both, I don't know. I think that's ambitious. But I think there is that. You could do that going forward. Um, Shane Duffy is an interesting one. I messaged someone I know who knows the situation with him very closely. I t- I've tweeted about it. That I said it on the last week's show that we want Jones, Stones and Duffy are options at centre-back as well as a few other lesser um, priority options. Um, Duffy has had talks. He had talks with Brady last Friday, definitely. And I believe club officials contacted him today um, again to re-continue these talks. Now, I messaged both two of my sources that would be close to this deal and neither of them replied which is very very rare often that means that they're doing something right now to not reply so i can't confirm but i'd imagine that some talks have happened today as well so maybe there'll be more to come come on that um, do you think he's a potential starter if he signs um, I think possibly. I think he could. I would like him to go alongside either Dupe or Bonner. He's got a different style of play to those two. Um, at first, I would start with Bonner and Dupe again because I think they did all right towards the end of the season. But I think if you're looking to bring on a sub to shore up the defence, he's a great person. He reminds me of Ginge in the yeah in the sort of style of old play school centre half, old school centre half. Yeah, I think I like that's him. what we need because I think yeah. the other centre backs that we have don't offer that. Yeah, and I think we need that and sometimes you know when the opposition are pelting the ball into the box and throwing everything at it you need someone that's going to throw himself in front of everything he has got a few off the field issues I think but I think they're manageable and you know he knows people at West Ham as well through um Ireland and through his agency and things like that he obviously knows Moyes because he played with Moyes at Everton so he knows Irvine as well so he he knows quite a few of the staff 
Um, so I think he'd be in a good position to come to us. Jones and Stones are going to be wages. You know, there's going to be a difference between the wages. Duffy, I think, would be initially on loan. I mean, it's like a two million fee. Um, Celtic are interested in him. West Brom are interested in him. So we'll see what happens there. Oh, you'd like to think you'd come to West Ham over those two, wouldn't you? Yeah, possibly. Although Celtic as an Irishman. It depends if you want an easy life, doesn't it? Celtic as an Irishman. I, yeah, yeah, I, I get, I get that. that. There, that, there is yeah. that. But yeah. I think... Uh, yeah, I think if you go to Scotland at his age, you ain't coming back, are you? I think that's your uh, yeah. that's your nice, easy life in that division, isn't it? But you know what? Talking about centre halves, um, you know, as as the, these shows go on, and we were always talking about best formations, best systems. If we're looking at signing Shane Duffy, for example, and we're saying is he potentially going to start? Why is there not potential to, with the fullbacks being as weak as we're suggesting they are, play three at the back? And do a three-five-two formation, yeah. maybe with Mazuaku and Antonio as our um, wingbacks. I know you're taking Antonio out of the centre forward equation there, but if Alec can turn it on, yeah, uh, that's an option, isn't it? Definitely, you could do that. Um, I just had a bit of a disaster. I've just cleared all my notes for the show without. Oh fucking hell! I know that is an absolute shocker. Uh, I've just uh, I've accidentally just cleared them all. Um, oh mate! Right, this is going to have to be tr- from memory, which is going to take me a bit longer to do because I'm going to have to source my way back to certain things. That's really annoying. Yeah, you've had one there. Because I've had seven or eight things on there. Right. Okay, I apologise. The listeners, I've just accidentally wiped all my notes, which took me ages to prepare as well. Um, okay, let's do this. Try and do this from memory. The players are in Scotland at the moment. Um, see, they had their COVID test um, on Sunday. Then they're on Monday. Sorry, they're now in Scotland. Um, young, some academy players did travel to to Scotland, um, and they are Connor Coventry, um, Tunji Akinola, and. Without having my notes in front of him, I can't remember his first name, but Baptiste, the young mm. centre-back. So they've all gone up there. Um, we've senior players as well. Anderson isn't there. Anderson is in Italy. Now, Lazio are interested in re-signing him. I mentioned that Arsenal have a very distant interest in him. because of Really? Do. Yeah, did you not see? I told, I've got Arsenal fans all on to me at the weekend. Nah. The reason is because Edu, you remember their yeah. former Brazilian, he's there like technical director or something in charge of their transfers and he's Brazilian and he recommended Anderson to the Brazilian national team and he's friends with Kia Chibachi remember the guy at mm. Port Tevez and Mascarano yeah. and he's involved with Anderson so there's it's, I think it's a backup option I don't think there's much to it but they did have preliminary talks with the player um, one website tried to rubbish this story and say that there's been no bid for Anderson from Arsenal. I never said there had been a bid from Arsenal. I just said that he was like a backup option for them. Um, so, but Anderson is attracting interest from Lazio. I think they were meant to be signing David Silva from Man City and that's fallen through. So he could be an option there. He is still in Italy at the moment, but that is not related to transfers. That's personal reasons why he's in Italy I do know the reason but it's not for me to say something like that because it's a personal issue to him so it's not even though he is in Italy it's not necessarily related to transfers Um, in terms of fixtures that was definitely on the list Um, we've been drawn against Portsmouth 
Colchester and Southend in that Leasings Trophy where you play <laughs> the under-21s players. So that's there. Um, the Betway Cup should be scheduled for a game against Bournemouth. To be fair, we don't have many options because I said last week on the show that we weren't gonna um, we weren't gonna play anyone from abroad. So on the the day of the game is the 5th of September. On that day is when all the clubs play their Carabao Cup fixtures. Um, The only two teams that are not in the Premier League that don't have Carabao Cup fixture dates are Watford and Bournemouth. Now, I'm from a source that I've never used before, but seems to be on the ball with this they're suggesting that Bournemouth have been the team for the Betway Cup trophy um, which you know is a bit of a Mickey Mouse thing that we do but there'll be no fans there there are intentions for fans to be there for the first Premier League fixture and where there'll be a third of the fans there but um whether that will happen or not I don't know because as you saw in the press and I kind of have been hinting this on shows the COVID situation is still playing a massive effect on football. As you saw in the news today, I don't know if you've seen the headlines. I can't remember how many clubs there is now, but something like eight or nine clubs have got at least one player that's tested positive for COVID. So this is going to affect the season massively. Mm. Um, I, I do know the West Ham situation, but I'm not going to comment on the West Ham situation because it's not for me to say. But there are eight or nine clubs that are in that in that boat as well. Um, but but they're not obviously infested with COVID positive players, though, are they? Not infested, but if you've got a player that's tested positive for COVID, right? Any player or staff member that has been around that person that is tested for positive positively then needs to go into isolation. So at the moment. It's not too bad because they've all been on their pre-season. But yeah. as the season goes ahead, if one player that's been at training, for example, tests positive for COVID, then pretty much the whole squad needs to go into isolation mm. until their, you know, until um, the the isolation period's finished. Mm. So it's going to affect football massively. God, this is bloody hard from the top of my head. This, um, obviously, we appointed Stuart Pearce. I tweeted that as an exclusive. Don't know if you saw that, mm-hmm. um, but that was out there. Um, I did actually know about that a couple of days before, but I was asked not to say. Um, they wanted me to. They wanted the rest of the staff to know about it. For example, um, he's been brought in. Obviously, he's been someone that Moyes really likes. He's brought in a fitness coach as well to replace Eamon Swift, who'd been at the club for a number of years. The fitness coach is replacing him. They've got a physio from Southend as well whose name, I think he's going to be working with the academy, but whose name I cannot remember now without my notes in front of him. But he's uh, he's due to um, uh, start soon, I believe. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is on there. Season tickets, season ticket renewals. At the moment, apparently only 50% of people, or less than 50% of people have, have renewed. And finally, in terms of fixtures, this is obviously hot off the press. Well, I'm saying this on a... Wednesday night as we're doing the podcast going out at 8 tomorrow so it should be okay by then because obviously the press the Premier League don't like them going out too early but we start with Newcastle at home then we play Arsenal away and then we got Wolves at home and then we got Leicester away and then a big one Spurs away 
Um, interestingly as well, we're actually at home on Boxing Day. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, and that's at Brighton. Yeah. I'm really surprised by that. Maybe they don't think the full crowds are going to be there. Mm. Um, so it doesn't affect Westfield as much as um, previous seasons. Um, and the last game of the season is at home as well against Southampton. Mm. So that's, I would say, quite kind, really. I would say yeah. that's, um, that's not too bad for us um, because... You know, Newcastle at home, you'd look to win I'd that. I'd take maybe. that, yeah. definitely. Um, Arsenal, who really knows what's going to turn up. Wolves at home, they've been playing, you know, quite late in the season. Mm. So it might be quite handy. Leicester away is tough. You know, Brighton at home on Boxing Day being an yeah. interesting one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's the, that's the fixtures. Fantastic. Interesting stuff as always, mate. Thank you very much. Have you ever searched for something online that you didn't want others to know about? Come on, let's be honest, we've all been there. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. And you're always vulnerable to your information being sold to ad companies. That's why, even when you're at home, you should never go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. This is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit our exclusive link, which is www.expressvpn.com west, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. I'll give you that again, www.expressvpn.com west. Welcome back to the final part of the show where we're going to be answering more questions and X is going to be reading them out. So this is at Gelvin95. Um, you often have a debate over Alaire and Anderson. Do you not feel if Anderson had kicked on and done what was expected of him, Alaire would have been much better too? Bearing in mind you had Anderson to be Hammer of the Year. Has he contributed to Alaire's form? Um, yeah, I would say, yeah, I think Alain, uh, sorry, I think Anderson not performing as well as we'd hope would have affected Anderson because you would have, uh, sorry, affected Alain, uh, start again, Anderson, <laughs> Anderson not performing as well as he should have has affected Alain because uh, Anderson would have been one of your most creative outlooks that you were sort of hoping would make things happen. However, I don't think, you. I think you could argue it the other way if Alain had performed better, maybe Anderson would have performed better. Um, I also think you shouldn't be reliant on one person so much. Um, so yeah, you could argue that. It's very, like I said, it's just disappointing that our two most expensive players mm. in my eyes haven't shown the potential. I, I really, really hope it is the system for LA. I really do. Because if, if we've got a £45 million forward that everyone is prepared to excuse for a whole season and tell me is is world class but just needs the right players around him, then I hope to God we have thanks. We haven't had a world class forward for years. Yeah, I mean, Anderson was a marquee signing as well. And I think strikers rely on the midfielders. I don't think midfielders rely on the strikers. So, you know, I, I, I for one, um, you know, don't believe that 
Hilaire would be affecting Anderson, but I think, yeah, as one of the key creative players in the side, Anderson's dip in form as one of the players that you would expect service from is, is going to be affecting Hilaire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think, obviously, if the players are underperforming, it's always going to have a knock-on effect on other yeah. players. Um, so. And let's not forget, for the vast majority of the season, Hilaire was part of an underperforming side. He didn't play a part in the good run of form that we had towards the end of the season. Now, yeah. you could argue maybe taking him out help the side but we've we've debated this on previous podcasts I'd love to have seen how well he would have done in that side having 90 minutes every week maybe he would have you know got 10, 11, 12 goals. I don't know. Yes, yeah, all with some butts, isn't it? Yeah. Um, at UK underscore WHUFC, would you rather have two traditional big, tough centre-backs like Ginge or would you rather have two modern-day pass-out from the back centre-backs like Diop or maybe one of each? Uh, possibly one of each, but I mean, I am a big fan of the ball-playing defender, to be honest. Listen, I love old-school, hard centre-halves, I really do, but I think with the game progressing as much as it has now, and the amount of athletes that you're coming up against in this day and age, the game has changed so much that I think you're more reliant on athletes at the back rather than just bruisers, if you like. So I, I, I don't think there's any reason why you can't mix and match, but I would probably take the option of quick, fast, athletic ball players over your old school centre halves. I think. I think in I, this day and age. See, I think I do one of each because. Yeah, I think that's I, fair. I still believe that there is a place for your old school centre back because mm. you, you often you're playing opposition that are playing with one lone striker, and often that striker is a big target type forward or a powerful forward, yep. and you need one that's going to be able to mop up with the pace to keep up with him if he gets behind you but you also need one that's going to win balls in the air mm. um, and I, I think if you can have one of each I very much like that with my players if I was to play two up front I'd want a big man and a little man like your classic yeah. want someone to hold it up someone to knock it on I like that with your, your central midfielders I like one to be a defensive midfielder that kind of sits back and just kind of tries to win the ball I like one that sort of gets up and down I like one that concentrates more on creativity I feel like if you have one of too many of one and not the other mm. then it's not the right balance so yeah I I would always take one of each if yep. it was me um, this is um, from at HH hi KK um, hi lads love the pod thanks for keeping it going why do you think we have a loss on every player we sell is it down to the Sullivan's negotiating skills or do we overpay when we buy them or do every player's value just decrease when they play for us no I think we run the risk of overpaying uh, on two counts one the transfer fee but also the wages because if that player comes to West Ham and underperforms like they often do the new potential buying club has to take into account the big wages that that player is going to have. So that is automatically going to be a negotiation tactic on the buying club to bring the transfer fee down. And that is the constant frustration. Again, we've covered this so many times. I just don't think these big-time Charlies are coming to West Ham for the right reasons. Mm. They're taking their pay packet with probably little to no respect for the football club, with no real incentive or motivation either because they're not going to be chasing a league title, Champions League football... Since 1980, not a, a, a solid cup run 
you know, with a, with a trophy in the cabinet. So I just think, you know, we've said before, we've got to go for younger, hungrier players that feel privileged to be at West Ham and we don't have enough of those at the moment. I think with us is that we often gamble with our recruitment. Like we gambled with Anderson. No, you know, there was no evidence to say he'd be able to perform in the Premier League. We gambled with Lanzini. You know, he'd never played in the Premier League. We gambled with Allaire. We gambled with Pae. We gambled with. But doesn't everyone do you, know? Does doesn't most clubs take that gamble? <coughs> yeah, but a lot of these players, I guess, Pae aside, that other clubs gamble on, are either costing them less money or have played um, in European football to a decent level. Like Anderson, yes, he played for Lazio, but Lazio aren't one of the best teams in Italy, and he come with £35 million pound price tag. 45 wasn't it? Uh, that was Allaire, I think. Anderson might have been 40. Um, mm. Allaire's 45, and yes, he's played for in the Dutch league and for a semi-decent German team, but they're not the best German team. Mm. Um, he's not played at international level. He's played at under twenty one level, but he's not played at international. And you pay £45 million on him. Mm. Uh, he's gambling there. Also, we take players that, if players do well for us and progress, we keep them for a long time. So, for example, Antonio, if we'd bought him for, what, I think we paid about, seven eight million for him oh, from memory if we'd sold antonio like when he was at his peak previously getting in the mm. england squad we would have made a profit on him yeah. if we'd have sold cresswell when he was getting in the england squad we would have made a profit on him if we'd sold fabianski a year ago we would have made a profit on him mm. so i think any player that does well oh, lanzini as another that does well we kind of tend to hold on to them until they're no good anymore mm. so it's not like which is good things it shows that we're not necessarily a selling club because we keep these players on longer than we need to i mean there have been some players who made profits on you know ashley fletcher springs to mind um <laughs> randolph we got on a free transfer sold him to middlesbrough bought him back but uh yeah. you know, fredericks we'd make a profit on now yeah um so do you i'd imagine if we sold to you we'd make a profit on him yeah yeah uh, pie we made a profit on so there have been examples yeah. um but yeah i just think we gamble too much and therefore it, it backfires um right um, would you sell Lanzini and Anderson if it meant we could sign Eze and Watkins this transfer window that's from Corey Kemp who does our YouTube channel so a massive shout out to you for really pushing it on yeah well done well done Corey uh, yeah because I just don't think I don't think we're ever going to see Lanzini at his best again Yeah, and the jury's out whether we'll see that in Anderson again yeah. and I think if we do see it will we see it consistently week in week out and that is the key word that haunts West Ham generally speaking is consistency yeah. so yeah um, I would have no issue selling Lanzini at all like I said he hasn't done anything for West Ham for about two years now um, Anderson some people believe that next season he'll be a different player I'm not convinced so yeah I think cut your losses maybe get 50 million for the pair and then, yeah, spend it on the sort of players in question. Why yeah, not? I agree. I think I would take it as well because we don't know whether these two players will perform for us, whereas we know that Lanzini hasn't performed for mm. numerous years now. Um, at Batty12, um, do you think Sullivan messing Frankfurt around for the Allaire instalments will put other clubs off selling to us or demanding full payments up front? Well, the thing is, it's all about reputation, isn't it? And the image that you portray of yourself. And we covered this in the previous podcast as as well they are their own worst enemy it's one of the reasons I think they can't attract a better manager because you've got people like Sam Allardyce that are putting in his book what a nightmare David Sullivan was on a daily basis sending email after email voicemail after voicemail 
about the most random things. I think he documented as well that Sullivan would make a signing and then that signing would just turn up at the training ground. Sam Allardyce had no idea who he was. Mm-hmm. All this stuff goes public. All that bollocks with, um, uh, was it Ben Fika? And they, they came um, out and said that, uh, oh yes, Porto, wasn't it? Uh, sporting. Uh, sporting. Sporting. I got yeah. it in the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, all this kind of dildo brothers, yeah. the public spat there. Now we've got uh, Frankfurt where we're messing them about for money. The press, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll take any opportunity to make a circus of West Ham. But we make their life so easy for them because we do it ourselves. Yeah. And that stuff gets circulated and players know that they'll be playing for a board like that. Managers know that they'll be managing for a board like that. Mm. So it does have a knock-on effect. You know, ultimately, all these little bits and pieces you're doing create this image that you're going to market with to say, come and work for me. Yeah. And it's off-putting. I agree. I mean, why would you want to sell to a club like West Ham when you know they're going to defer payments and not keep things up as opposed to selling it to another club that you think is going to pay? You'd almost be better selling to the other club for less money, Mm. knowing you're going to get the money when it's scheduled and due, than sell to West Ham with all the issues that we've we've shown that we have so I think it's a terrible thing I think it just creates like you said perfectly a really bad reputation for yourself yeah. um, this is at Huliski um, what are your hopes for your adopted club Dusseldorf next season <laughs> well how did they get on did they get relegated I'll be honest with you I think they got relegated <laughs> but after the first few games where they didn't win I was like oh fuck this it's just another West Ham so I started, and when the Premier League came back I kind of lost interest so yeah, I yeah. couldn't actually tell I think they did get relegated so yeah, I, I'll to, be honest I don't care I, th- <laughs> I, I think I falsified my enthusiasm from the get go to yeah. be honest with you I mean when we was random picking clubs I couldn't believe how bad our luck was really we ended up up. with with those guys and uh, I don't know they seemed like the the German version of West Ham didn't they but yeah I I, I think I think they did get relegated yeah Um, yeah in terms of my hopes for them next season I don't think there are any to be honest I think we've seen the last of them yeah exactly I don't think I support them anymore that was uh, (laughs) short lived but uh, I'll stick with West Ham my foreign team's always been AC Milan like from a kid yeah back in the 80s Hullet Van Basten Reich card yeah. my family are from Milan distant family um, so AC Milan's always been my foreign team yeah. my son has got West Ham kits he's got a New York Giant kit and he does have an AC Milan kit yeah, um, yeah. so AC Milan I like always, Milan for the same reasons yeah they'll always be my Italian team um, and I think I'll just stick with them uh, and then sort of like other clubs I have like a soft spot for for various reasons but I'll I'll stick with um, stick with that um uh, at Dan Mids, are your balls at that annoying spiky stage when they start to itch? <laughs> Not yet. I think I think a lot of that comes down to steady maintenance. To be honest with you, if you don't allow them to get to that stage, I think you'll be okay. Uh, but if you're having a lazy week or two, then ultimately you're going to come across that. Uh, but no, mine are okay actually. So yeah. you've actually used the product? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, like I say, smooth as a dolphin's nose, uh, mate. Okay, They're yeah. fantastic. Yeah, no, I need to use mine soon as well. It's just <laughs> finding the time. It's not the sort of thing I can say to the, the kids I'm uh, about to pop upstairs and do. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just need to... Uh, Actually, great product, honestly. Yeah. I mean, we probably should post a picture of the little Your kid nuts. that we get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we probably shouldn't mate in all fairness <laughs> yeah um, but honestly the kit we got was, was yeah. it's, it's brilliant State and in terms of, of sponsors for the show I mean it was so funny talking about them last week and I don't know if we discredited them because do you know what I will say that 
when we have sponsors approach us for the show, most of them are very strict on what you can and can't say. Yeah. And they have a strict guideline to what you can say. Yeah. But credit to Manscaped, they are aware of what they are. They know who they are. And they're a joy, really. That they, they, they just say, look, you just go and do whatever you want to do. Have fun with it. Have a laugh with it. Because let's be honest, in terms of the type of product it is, yeah. it's hard to keep a straight face. But it is. It's the real deal. If, if you're into that and you like your grooming... These are the fellas you want to be looking at, 100%. Yeah, I, I remember when I was um, 17, 18, I was very self-conscious that, you know, you start to get body hair, which uh, <laughs> you haven't had before. And I remember um, having a bit on my chest, right? And I went on a, a lad's holiday. It wasn't much, but just like a sprinkling. So I thought, right, I'm going to sort this out for when I go on my lad's holiday. And I just took your classic, you know, old Bic razor or whatever it was <laughs> oh, I was using at the time. Itchy as yeah, fuck. and I just yeah. shaved my chest thinking that oh, I'll be fine. Yeah. By the time I'd got out to, <laughs> to Spain or wherever it was I was going, my chest was like full of like stubble, <laughs> rash, like, you know, those little spots yeah. everywhere. I didn't put any cream on it or anything. It was just even more embarrassing than having the odd yeah. chest hair that I had. Yeah. I wish, for, for example, Manscaped products <laughs> were around in those days yeah. because, geez, if I was to go down there like I did on my chest, I dread to think what <laughs> situation I'd have been in without the products. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right, so a few more. Uh, this is at Jimmy C-S-E-R-T-I. He's got a Swedish flag by his name. Right, so I'm assuming it's a Swedish um, name. Um, which would be your dream setup of teams in the Premier League if you could choose freely? Great show, lads. Keep it up. For me, I miss your kind of classic teams that are around. In the 90s, when we first started watching football, so yeah. you're talking like your Knott's Forest. I miss them. Mm. That's a great away day, Knott's mm. Forest. I've got a good story about my... Well, I think I've told you about my... We haven't got time for Nottingham's now, a great weekend yeah, as well. Yeah, when I actually s- pulled on that trip. But, <laughs> what, hamstring again, was yeah, it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I told you that off air, but I won't. I'll save that for another <laughs> show. Um, Knott's Forest, Sheffield Wednesday, not a big team with a good ground. That's a good away day. Leeds, I'm glad they're back. Yeah. I like Coventry. You know, when I when we grew up again, yeah. late eighties, one of the first cup finals I can remember is them beating Spurs eighty seven. It must be, and then in the nineties they had quite an exciting team. They did actually. Huckabee, yeah. Love, Robbie Keane, yeah. Dion Hadji, Dublin, do you remember him? Hadji, Hadji yeah, Chippo, didn't he play for them as well? Hadji, Chippo, I think they had two Moroccans. Uh, Frogger, he was Robbie decent. Keane as well. Robbie Keane, yeah, yeah. they did have some uh, decent players actually. Yeah, they then. did, they did. They've I mean, absolutely capitulated since. Yeah, they? I think they, they got really promoted turned. this. Year. Oh, did I they? Think they might be back in the championship now. Oh, really? They've had a couple of straight promotions, so it's right. good that they're back up there. Um, I I like teams like that that are kind of I've got memories of away days and the kind of not, I'm glad, I'm glad Leeds are back. You mm. know, I like Norwich. I've, you know, Ipswich. I can't say I really like Leeds though. No, I, don't I mean, like, massive club, massive history, but I, I don't. Uh, dirty leads, they're called. Yeah, no, they? I don't like Leeds. Don't really like them. But I like if I was to if I was a neutral fan, and if I was to pick a Premier League without my kind of history and of like hating teams and of, without a West Ham hat on, yeah. and Charlton. You know, I'm trying to support Charlton a bit on social media because they're potentially going to be bankrupt like Berry. You know, Charlton are a good. Sort of nineties yeah. Premier League. Well, they team. let me go as a kid, didn't they, and destroyed my dreams. So fuck them. Have a yeah. go out of business. <laughs> 
you not have any kind of? So you actually nah, no. Nah, to this day, I'm quite bitter about it. Really? To be honest, with you. I've never never liked Charlton since. Now, nah. oh, okay, yeah. Interesting. I mean that as well. Yeah, no, I can tell. But yeah. your face, that, 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 those eyes. You, you, you saw the tear trickle down yeah, my cheek. Was that eyes? You give, you give the eyes when you get angry about something, <laughs> and I can see it. I can see it there. So. Um, right, let's do this quickly. Um, at, uh, this is from um, at D S N O N A P. Um, he's a, a nice fella. Um, Question for tonight. If West Ham could sign any two ex-players in their prime from any era this summer, who would you pick and why? Um, I just, for me, I would go Bobby Moore because of them. That's our centre-back sorted. Um, and I think I would either go Brookin or Decanio. Yeah. I'm going to go Brookin. So I'm going to go Bobby Moore and Brookin. That'd mm. be great to have that creative midfielder in Brookin that was like an England quality player. And then Bobby Moore as your captain, your yeah. leader, your centre-back. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to argue with that, to be honest with you. I think Dix would be. A, a yeah, I think one. if you if you tap into more what we need. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see Alan Devonshire in his prime at West Ham. Yeah. Um, but I mean, God, you could you could throw up so many names there, couldn't you? Yeah. You really could. We've had some amazing players over the years, West Ham. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I've answered that question already. Um. At the Iron Duke four highlights. Hope you're all good. Pre West Ham way events. What was your favourite boozer at Upton Park? He used to love the bowling bat room, leaving at two fifty five and getting to your <laughs> seat for kick off. Um, all the best and keep up the great work. Yeah, I mean there was some great boozers there, weren't there? It's been heartbreaking really to see their demise since we left, which we all expected, but. I take your pick. I mean, Queens, Central, the bowling. I mean, it's it's just so many, isn't there? Yeah, so many. It's um, I mean, the Vic. Do you remember? Do you remember after an event that time when um, I got fucking hammered at the East End Working yes, Man's I do Club, remember. <laughs> and you had to come looking for me. Find you and on you the streets of no. <laughs> I was outside hits. the Vic, wasn't I? Mate, you were out <laughs> fucking outside. It's an oh, understatement. Mate. You were outside the whole of East London. You were sprawled everywhere. <laughs> like so, so I trusted you with all the money from the event. I say all the money. It sounds like you make loads, but the money from the event. Yeah. I, I called stuffed you. Stuffed in your pocket. Stuffed in your pocket. Yeah. I called you repeatedly. <laughs> Where are you, mate? Where are you, mate? Where are you, mate? No, it didn't answer the phone. Left messages. I don't and, know how you found me. To this well, day. eventually I got through to you. I was like, Dave, where are you? Like, I'll call you back, mate. I was like, No, you will not call me back. I'll see your phone now. Where are you? And you went. I'm in some pub in East. I was like, Which pub, mate? I, even, I know the pub as well. I've been yeah. there so many times, but I was that pissed. I didn't even know where I was, no. even though I knew where I was. Yeah, and I was like, Fuck, mate, which, I was banging trouble mate, that day. You were terrible that yeah. day. I've never seen you so drunk. Yeah, I don't nah, think. I know. And I've seen you drunk, yeah. but I don't I think yeah. that's the worst yeah. and I was like mate which pub are in London somewhere mate this is not helping me where are because I had to give you a lift home as well and where are you and I was like what do I do so I called your wife in the hope that you'd called her to say yeah. like where you were she had no fucking clue so nah. then I ended up worrying her yeah. she's like which wasn't intentional but I was hoping prior to the like 13th drink or whatever you might have told her yeah. where you were yeah. um, she had no clue and then eventually I don't know 
how I found you. I no. think I think so, I think I put a tweet out actually on Twitter. Has anyone seen Dave Walker anywhere? And I'm pretty sure someone said he's like rolling around outside the Vic. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I know um, I was propped up against the baller like penny for the guy when I just fucking... when, I, when I came out and I can literally see you because I, I was in traffic. I can see you a mile off. <laughs> You're like staggering all around the road, leaning against the pillar and stuff. And then the worst thing is oh, I had to drive God. you home back to your house and you discover you've left most of the bloody stuff at the club. Yeah, so we had yeah. to drive all the way back. Yeah, I was that was torturous, mate. Yeah, that, that was. was. Yeah, I remember that. It was yeah. fucked. But uh, yeah, no, there's so many decent pubs Working around that way. Man's club, you know. Yeah, of course, got to give a shout out there. A lot, a lot of good I memories that there place as well. So yeah, much, actually, yeah, I looking back. Um, yeah. We've got loads of questions here, so I am going to skip through a lot of these. Um, uh, at H-O-T-I-W underscore official um, if you had to pick one player or manager past or present that you haven't met before to go to the pub who would it be and what question would you ask them mine would be Di Canio I've never met Di Canio apart from like in passing at various things but not to speak to him I don't know what I'd ask him to be honest with you because I'd have so many questions but uh... well see my one's an obvious one because I find it incredible that I've never met him and that is Billy Bonds yeah. I've never ever met Billy Bonds. I mean, I, I would never ask him this question, but for the sake of humour in me answering it, uh, obviously I'd love to ask him what happened with him and Harry. Yeah, yeah. Over a beer. But I'd, I'd, I mean, I, I'd, even though I've never met the man, like every other West Ham fan, I adore him and I'd love to have a beer with him. Yeah, definitely. Um, at Paul Matt 86, what's happened to Cardoza? Couldn't he be the answer to our defensive problems? I think he's just not adjusted to the English league. I and mean, we paid about three million for him. Yeah. I don't ever hear of him ever Has being he ever played? No. He's no, never made a single appearance for West Ham. I can remember. I think he might have been on the bench a couple of times, but I don't think he's actually been on the was bench. Was that another Hazilios uh, find? Uh, yeah, it would have been, I guess, yeah. Because it was at the start of last season. So, yeah, it would mm. have been. Um, yeah, and he's barely played. Um, then uh, last couple here. A few of them are answering tweets because they're things like whether we're doing a fancy league and we, we were going to do one, but we can't do a charged one. So we are going to do the prim predictions again, yeah. um, which will send the stuff out. But I will still have my fancy league. which has got about 6,000 people in it, but it will just be, you know... Yeah. For, for a laugh really yeah. um, and at Elliot underscore Ching who seems to provide us with all these sort of off the wall questions oh god um, what is your favourite meal favourite meal yeah well do you know what this is going to sound so unglamorous because I think the uh, the perception of this is just eating it at 3, 4 in the morning when you're pissed up after a night out. But I love a kebab. Yeah. I yeah. love a kebab. You do like your kebabs. I do, li- I do like my you kebab. You recommended one to me, which which was life-changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, am a, I do class myself as a bit of a connoisseur when it comes to kebabs, to be honest with you. I yeah. think if you can find a good kebab house that serves rice as well... Um, I think you know if they do some fried onions, mushrooms, and peppers, which that a lot of kebabies don't. That was the it, game it is changer. the game changer. And it. if they do a nice homemade garlic sauce, I think those are the key differences, as well as good quality meat they use. But listen, I love a curry as much as the next man. I love a Chinese. There's not really a lot of food I don't What's like. What's your curry of choice? Uh, it varies every time. Oh, really? Every time I order, I change it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I like to explore as much. But yeah, ironically, the one thing I cannot stand. Almost have a gagging reflex to it. It's coriander. Really? You'll yeah. probably oh, find yeah. that in most oh, curries. Yeah, those little leaf. Things. Yeah, I can't stand no, them. What is the point? They taste like toilet cleaner. Not that I've ever drunk toilet cleaner, but that's yeah. what I'd imagine it would taste yeah. like. Um, I always seem to tend to stick with chicken when it's curries. Although in Stratford, there's something called, cool. I think it might be called 
uh, I might uh, I can't quite remember now, but on the on the on near the top near Las Iguanas, there's an Indian street food yeah, thing. Yeah. That's lovely. They do a lovely Kashmiri lamb there. That's really good. Um <laughs> Didn't I, we did, well, weren't you eating that when I met you there once and you had a white t shirt yes. on and then you dropped the sauce down yeah. your white t shirt and then you had to go into Sports Direct and, that's it. and buy that exact, exact tracksuit top there, to yeah. cover it up. That is it, yes. Yeah, cover up my, <laughs> my curry stained shirt and a jacket though. It's a bargain, mate. I think it was like fifteen quid, ten quid. I still yeah, wear it yeah, occasionally. Yeah. There it is. Evidence is I there. I can't remember where we were going and what we were doing. Well, West Ham, was it? I think it was. Was it? Was it actually going to the game? I think so, yeah. Must have been a midweek game or something. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I remember that. It's quite funny, though. Yeah, it was good. Um, I like your sort of Chinese, you know, can't beat a steak, good steak and cheese. Yeah. How do you have your steak? Medium well, actually. I do. I say I'm medium rare. Um, I um, also love Italian food, spaghetti bolognese. Yeah. You can't go wrong. It's, oh, like, it's in my blood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, mate, I, I love all. I, I'm, I'm the easiest person to cook for because I'll eat anything. Yeah. I'm such a big fat bastard. I just love my food. You know? <laughs> I do, I do. I, everything we're talking about, I, I, I can eat and eat and eat. There's not much food I don't like. To be fair, I, it's, it's weird. Like food I don't like, I don't like marshmallows, which is odd because as a fat boy, you'd think I, I would. <laughs> I just think it just tastes of like rubbery sugar. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of marshmallows. Don't particularly like fruit, obviously. Um, I am. Um, yeah, there's certain foods that I just I don't like fish that much. I say I like the oh, taste. See, I, do. I like the taste of fish, but I hate getting bloody bones. Yeah. I just can't stand it when you're eating. Yeah. You've got all these bones in your mouth. Yeah, I really don't like. I don't like any food that's in the form that. It, it was when it died so like so like so like prawns I can't stand it yeah. when they've got the heads and the tails yeah, and stuff yeah. even though I don't mind prawns when it's yeah. just a body like I wouldn't eat a bloody like, I like hog roast but when you can see it as a pig like I yeah. wouldn't I, I went into I went to China, mate. I worked in China for only a short period of time. When I was out there, you go into some restaurants, and you literally like if you order like fish or whatever, they say which one do you want, and you pick it from the tank, and they yeah. take it out the back, and yeah, that's see, that's when eating meat gets a little bit funny for me. Then like, yeah. I can eat meat when I can't see that I've. Directly yeah. You've got that emotional connection death, with yeah. the thing you're about to eat. But if I've actually pointed something out, and you make eye contact with it, yeah, as well. exactly. Yeah, that's that's what it gets. Uh, I love a bit of pie and mash as well. Yeah, Who doesn't? Do you know when when I used to go to West Ham with my dad, it was a it was a ritual all the time. We go and have a bet in the Labrooks. I think it was Labrooks, yeah. uh, and then we join the queue for Nathan's every single game. And I was a double pie and mash man then with liquor, and no word of a lie, he'd have treble pie, treble mash, liquor. And he'd have a plate of jelly deals next to it. Fuck, yeah. And he used to demolish the lot. Your dad's a legend. Yeah, that's where I get it from. I, I'm so <laughs> fucking... We can eat so much. It's unbelievable. We I've, love our food, my family. I've but... never had triple pie. Oh, the most I've ever done is double-double. Yeah, no, I've done I've done triples, yeah. Have you? Yeah, yeah. I've I saw triples. someone post something on Twitter or something the other day, and they literally had... You know where you have the mash? Sort of goes round the perimeter of the yeah, plate, usually. Yeah. They had that with pies. So yeah. there must have been seven or eight of Fuck them there. Fuck that, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh my yeah, God. Yeah, that's a bit heavy, that. Yeah. But, uh, I, would you, you always get liquor, yeah. I, you've got oh, gotcha. gravy, yeah, it's got to be liquor. Yeah, it's got to be liquor. With, with chilli vinegar chili, as well. I was well. going to say, chilli yeah. vinegar and a bit, a bit of salt yeah. on top. Fuck so. it, a bit of salt. I tell yeah. you what, your love for salt is next level, mate. Yeah, I've never seen anything yeah, like it's, it. It's and I don't good. think to this day I've ever in my life met someone that put salt on salad until I met you. Mate, it makes a tomato. 
on a cucumber so so much better it really does yeah I am unhealthily addicted to salt and it is it's, it's, it's mental how much it's you love salt it's me probably and Coca-Cola I'm, well, I was going to say Coke but I didn't want to give it the wrong idea but yeah Coca-Cola I'm not good with that I drink so yeah. much of that as well go with Pepsi Max mate it's a better taste and it's sugar free it's got other shit in it granted but yeah, I no, like I, Pepsi Max I have cut down on my Pepsi drinking to be fair um, yeah and last question you'll Go be on. pleased to know um, and this is from at Rob Smith two four five one two eight seven one um, Blimey. <laughs> would you accept a job role with the club as a scout million percent I would accept yeah, a I, club I, as a yeah scout. I I'd, actually I'd think both you and I could probably do a decent job at it like we can't do much worse considering I don't bloody have it well, I was going to say yeah yeah I was going to say yeah 100% yeah yeah I mean um, I've, I yeah, I'd love the idea, to be honest with you. Obviously, it's not a realistic opportunity, but yeah, I think the fault of loving your football and being paid to go and find a decent player. Um, I, I know uh, a senior scout at Arsenal is a family member and he's, he's done brilliant things in the game People as well, actually. talk that he should come on the show. You might as well say who he is, mate. Cause he's oh, yeah, no, it's not a secret. Yeah. His name's John Cartwright. Yeah. And he if used you... to work with Bobby Moore, did he? Played he did, Bobby played Moore, with Bobby yeah. Moore. He played for West Ham. He made a handful of appearances at West Ham. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then he, he, he his career sort of tailed off a little bit as a player, but then he managed the... Q80 side with, uh, or was it Qatar national side with Jeff Ursus his assistant. Really? Um, then I think he done. He worked at Lily Shaw as well. Yeah. He's worked with the national side, the kids there. And then he was, uh, I think, di- possibly director of football at Charlton. Then worked for Simon Jordan at Palace. Uh, his book that he released, uh, Roy Hodgson wrote his foreword. Really? So and and I mean, you know, you speak to some people in the game. If you're a coach in this game. And you mentioned John Cartwright. Everyone I know who well, he is. Someone on Twitter, random. And he's a lovely fella as well. I think the world of him. So I'd, l- I'd love to get him on the podcast. And he's got some brilliant stories well, of I days of yesteryear at West Ham. Someone tweeted me not long ago. I would say within the last month saying they knew John Cartwright and we should really get him on the show. And they told me a bit about him. Yeah. I meant to reply to him and say, actually, Dave is related to him. Yeah. I forgot. So yeah. He only lives down the road. How are you related to him? He's my wife's fucking hell is my wife's dad's cousin's husband <laughs> so you're not really related. no by, by marriage distantly yeah. but um but interestingly none of my wife's family likes football but john is football obsessed yeah. so whenever i go around there we talk for hours and hours yeah. about football yes. and i think he sees that as a bit of a release that he could talk to someone about it but yeah. john honestly he is his philosophy on the game and how he sees coaching I think would blow you away. Uh, it blows me away. Uh, and some of the stories he's got about West Ham, I mean, I remember him telling me of, of those days back then. And, um, you know, all the players loved a bet in those days, you know, in, in the Bobby Moore era. And uh, the, the old groundsman back then used to have a separate back door for the players to escape from when the bookie was coming to collect the money that was owed from the players. Really? And it's just little things like that, little stories of uh, of days of yesteryear that at West Ham. in the 2000s as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think he's ever gone away, to no, be fair. No, I was going to say, a bit of a um, problem. But we should get him on the show, because like I say, he's a lovely fella, and uh, I think people will be interested to hear from him um, for more than one reason. So we'll sort that. We'll sort that, definitely. Nice one. That's it. Good stuff, right? That is the end of the show. As always, we hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to everyone who sent their questions in for us. Look after yourselves, be lucky, and until next week, come on, on you irons. irons. Want a great way to recognize your employees? 
Check out Custom Ink. Have you ever thought about doing something special for your customers? Custom Ink can do that too. And wouldn't your team love some custom gear? Custom Ink is ready. Custom Ink is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Plus, everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at customink.com. You had to know that when Wingstop set out to make a crispy, juicy chicken sandwich, they wouldn't make it in just one flavor. They'd make it in all 12. Like lemon pepper, mango habanero, hickory smoked barbecue, and OG hot. So why have one new favorite chicken sandwich when you can have 12? Try the new sauced and tossed Wingstop chicken sandwich today for only $5.49 at Wingstop, where flavor gets its wings. Valid for a limited time and available at participating Wingstop locations only while supplies last. Price subject to applicable taxes and fees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.